What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. This is Resistance in Residence, where we profile artists using their gifts to change the world. This week's Resistance in Residence artist is filmmaker, writer, and community organizer, Adamu Chan. Good morning, Adamu. Thank you so much for joining us. Morning, Kat. I want to start with a little bit about you and specifically where and how you grew up, what your family was like, whatever you feel like telling the folks. Yeah, um, I am a Bay Area native. I grew up in Berkeley and yeah, I have like a lot of history with KPFA, not directly, but like it was a huge part of my growing up in Berkeley and a huge resource for me and other people in the community and um, you know, I listened to Davey D and one of my really good friends, uh, Benji, rest in peace, uh, had a radio show for many years uh, called uh, Late Night Hype. Um, so I'm really happy to be here on KPFA. Um, yeah, I grew up in Berkeley um, and grew up uh, in the 80s, you know, a biracial kid and and grew up around a lot of to to two different activist parents who, who were very involved in um, Black liberation organizing and organizing around like third world uh, liberation issues and stuff like that. And I grew up kind of like in that environment. And um, yeah, just the the Berkeley land, I mean, the Bay Area landscape at that time was 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 obviously very different. There was a lot more, um, you know, black folks here and, um, you know, the culture was very different. And that obviously impacted my my growing up, too. I also um was a kid that grew up in a single parent home and experienced a lot of uh violence in the home but also like violence um in my community and you know found a lot of like solace and refuge in like other kids who were experiencing the same types of things and like uh found myself in the streets and kind of yeah it was kind of like raised up in in that um and ultimately, like, found myself like entangled in the in the criminal legal system at a young age. I went to prison when I was eighteen, and um, yeah, kind of like grew into an adult like in that environment. Um, I got out when I was in my early twenties and was involved in a lot of like prison organizing. Um, was around in the early days of like critical resistance, um, and worked with folks like uh, Rose Braz and Rachel Herzing and. Ruthie Gilmore. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like my, that was my upbringing. I'm actually going to ask you about your first memory of being entangled inside of the criminal legal system. And because you had, you were raised in a political home, did you have a politic about the fact that you grew up in a set of conditions that pushed you into the streets only to be criminalized for responding to those conditions? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, I had I had grown up around a lot of kids whose whose parents were in the Panthers and were involved in that stuff, and um, you know, had grown up really conscious, uh, consciously like connected to, um, you know, like George Jackson and and um, like the story of like the Solidarity Brothers and stuff like that. And I think, yeah, like I was, I was conscious of the fact that, you know, so much of, so much of 
like what we were experiencing as as young people was as a result of you know how these systems had like impacted our parents um how our parents had like brought um so much of their trauma into into our households that they had experienced out in the world and that we were being pushed out into the streets and that you know there wasn't there wasn't a place for us to find refuge like we were experiencing violence from you know systems of policing and um, feeling alienated from uh, the educational systems and like not really finding places where we could find refuge and so we were finding ref finding refuge in in our own suffering and our, our own pain and and expressing that out into the world and then a lot of times that would come out as violence too and so you know my my first experience going to prison i was really not so much shocked but also you know it had an impression on me that like this was a place where you know mostly black folks were being warehoused um and thrown away um, by our society you are a writer and a filmmaker when did you discover the, the pen when did i discover the pen i mean i think you know growing up i was always very interested i was very involved in in reading and writing as a form of expression i think you know uh for myself i can be a very social person at times but also like i'm a person that that really values you know being alone and 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 being with my thoughts and i think it felt like a very important way for me to kind of like ground myself and um also express myself out into the world um in ways that i couldn't communicate verbally i think i had a lot of problems as a young person um and and of, of course as as how we're socialized as men is like not being able to express um certain things that are inside of us there are limits to like um our forms of expression and um writing seemed like a way for me to um to express that out into the world and i think you know during my incarceration i i you know, one writing that like really had like the biggest impact on me. And I always like tell people that this is like, for me, it was like a very transformational moment was um, when I read Audre Lorde's essay, um, The Transformation of Silence into Language and Action. And um, she has a line in there where she, she talks about the urgency and necessity of like speaking out and about how there are so many things that that make us afraid of like speaking out, um, but that we're gonna die anyways. And, um, you know, we're afraid of what could come from us speaking, like the violence that could come against us, the shame, the alienation, but we're gonna experience that anyways, and we're gonna die. And uh, that gave me a lot of perspective on like, you know, my, my kind of like my, like what my values were and like where, you know, like how I should move in this world. And the importance of speaking. Um, you're also a filmmaker. How, how did you journey from writer to filmmaker? And what is the difference between those two creative processes for you? Yeah. So during my latest um, stint of incarceration, um, I was I was incarcerated for almost 13 years. And for most most folks that are in California prisons, like San Quentin is a place that um, like people want to get to, right? Um, especially if you if you were born and raised in the Bay Area. It's it's one of the it's a unique prison in that it's it's proximity to like a large urban area is like it's different than than any other prison. Um, 
most prisons are in like very remote locations far away from you know people's families and friends and so for folks who are who are incarcerated in california prisons it it, it it's not only like an opportunity for you to be like close to your family and friends um, but also like close to like the proximity to a city um allows for a lot of interaction with like outside people too um and so uh, san quentin is also a place that has a lot of different programs and um yeah i was privileged during that time like while i was at san quentin to start working in the in the san quentin media center in the in the san quentin media center houses a podcast it houses um a newspaper um and also um uh like where i kind of like found you know my work was a, a media collective called first watch which is now called forward this productions um but mainly works in uh film and video and so yeah i kind of um when i got there i'd never had any experience with film and video before but really like took to that and and ultimately um started leading that project and during that time i think we were really trying to figure out what it meant for us to like have this platform like within the landscape of california prisons and the fact that you know the the overwhelming majority of people don't have this type of platform don't have a platform to speak don't have a platform to um tell their stories um and like what it meant for us like as this like minority within the prison system to like have this platform like what what were our commitments to our our larger community what did it mean for us to also be working from within the system um like all of these things that exist within San Quentin also strengthen the system they can show that they're rehabilitating people and that they're giving people opportunities when we knew that that wasn't actually the case right that the overwhelming majority of people inside of prisons don't don't have access to these programs um and so what it meant to have these privileges um you know like what was our political what were our political values what were our, our political commitments to the rest of the folks um across California and really across the nation too and so you ask about like what the difference is between writing and and filmmaking i mean i i think that you know writing to me is the base of it right i think that like to me film is in in a lot of ways the same type of process like writing is this organization of thoughts and like emotions and and i think film is the same way right is like there's so many things that like our senses are giving us um like all this information about the world and and it's a way to like organize all of that into like a cohesive story and into something that can can communicate something to other people that can communicate something to yourself in a way that has meaning and impact and in that way i think the process is 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 similar obviously film uses you know visual um it's it's a combination of a lot of different things that that maybe writing doesn't have but i think you know at its base it's just, it's the same process I'm going to tug a little bit at some more of the threads of your previous answer. Um, I'm I'm interested in what ways that writing, filmmaking, the creative process has helped you process, deal with, heal from, if you will, or not, because uh, it's it's your answer, not mine. The trauma of racism and the violence of the carceral state. Yeah, I mean, I think for me. You know, when I first got into the media center, I think it was really powerful for me and like the other folks that were working there 
to be able to like create stories about ourselves that were different, right? Like a, a huge part of the carceral system and the criminal legal system is about creating these narratives about people that um, like people are monsters, people are violent, people are inherently bad. And I think there's a lot of power in the fact that we knew each other, we loved each other, and that we could create stories about ourselves that were more authentic about the people that that we were and to like see ourselves represented you know like on on a screen had a lot of power right like the the images that we had seen about ourselves and people in our community were were overwhelmingly bad and terrible and facilitated um this violence and this you know like as you said like racism you know that had impacted our 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 communities and that was very healing for me and i know that it was like healing for for other folks in our community i remember one time when um you, you know, like uh, me and another of my colleagues uh, produced a television show that used to go out to all 36 prisons. And basically, like we would talk about uh, different things that were happening around the prison, different issues that like folks inside were dealing with, but also like showcasing the videos that we were producing about the lives um, of people inside of San Quentin. And we produced a video about the trans community and with the trans community in collaboration with the trans community there. Um, about what it means to, you know, live as a woman inside of a man's prison. And I remember we did a screening uh, for folks in that community, like a private screening down in the media center. To me, I didn't I didn't recognize like why we were doing it, like the impact that that had. But like people who were in the in the film were were crying and they were they were watching themselves on screen. And I think that for them, it was it was so healing to like witness someone who had taken care to represent them in ways that like were not harmful to them, that felt healing to them. And I think that that just had a huge impact on me and like really kind of um, shifted the way that I thought about about this work and, and, and the impact that it could have, not only for like outside audiences, for people who like want to know more about like what goes on um, inside of prisons, but like for ourselves too. That like we actually needed to see ourselves in different ways. We actually needed to um, think about ourselves in different ways. And you have a new film on the horizon. Uh, Adamu, talk to us about what these walls won't hold and its uh, upcoming appearance in the San Francisco Film Festival. Yeah, this film is something that I and and other folks kind of conceived of. I mean, I think it's it's an outgrowth of the work that I had been doing inside. So just to kind of backtrack, um, during the COVID-19 pandemic, um, San Quentin was the site of one of the largest uh, COVID outbreaks in the country. Um, and in June of 2020, the whole prison system was on lockdown. And so we weren't able to access the media center. We weren't able to film. We weren't able to do um, any of that media work. Um, but so many of us inside um, felt called in that moment to use like the tools and the resources and the connections that we had with media professionals and advocates and our loved ones uh, to start organizing inside. And we held a like a live press conference from inside from pay phones. We continued to like um, report from inside uh, to like larger media outlets. 
And um, I think during that time, like what I saw was like a really like building of of closeness in our community that people, because of the urgency of the moment, were were coming together and not just folks inside, but like their loved ones and people on the outside. Like there was a huge movement to kind of get the word out about what was happening inside. And I think during that moment, like when the rest of the world was experiencing so much isolation, I really felt like there was a lot of intimacy and closeness that was being built in our community. And I, and when I got out in October of 2020, I really wanted to make a film about that specifically, not so much reporting about like what happened during COVID, but like the potential of like what we can do when we organize and when we love each other and when we build intimacy and closeness. And so that's kind of like what the movie is about. The film is about, um, is really about relationships. Um, the back, the backdrop is the COVID-19 outbreak, but it's really about the relationships that people have beyond walls. Um, the relationships that we have with each other inside, the love that we have for each other. And, um, you know, that people can't, can't be separated from the communities that they come from in spite of the, in spite of the walls that like separate people. Dama, you've spoken about being both an artist and an organizer, and um, and you're currently a community organizer um, on the outside. How does organizing impact your art practice, and how does your art practice impact your organizing practice? I mean, I, I don't think that those things are separate. I think that the way that I see the work that I do is that, um, you know, like I, I feel like through organizing, I really recognize that, you know, everyone has a role to play. Everyone brings different skills. Um, there are people who are great healers. There are people who are great, you know, policy advocates. There are people who do um, like direct services and um, legal work in the community. And when we organize, like we all come together and we all play our part um, to build to build a movement. And I see um, my art as just part of that, like one piece of that. So I, yeah, I don't I don't I don't necessarily see, see the separation in that. I think that like in some ways, like people think about, um, you know, organizers as like this professionalized role. But I really see it as like organizing is just relationships. Right. It's what we do for the communities that we love. And a lot of times yeah, that's like also what our work is too, right? That's like what we do every day. Um, so I don't really see the separation between those two. I love that. Me either. Um, Adamu, where can people find you on the socials to continue to uh, learn more about you and your work and uh, what's going to be happening with your new movie? Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram at, at Adamu is my friend. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter that much, but uh, I'm at Chan Adamu. Um, and the website for the film is whatthesewallswon'thold.com. And my personal website is adamuchan.com. You are listening to Law Order. I'm your host, Kat Brooks. This is Resistance in Residence. And this week's artist is filmmaker, writer, and community organizer, Adamu Chan. Adamu, thank you so much for kicking it with us for just a little bit on LND. Thank you, Kat. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. 
Lawn Disorders produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. Our Resistance and Residence theme music was composed by Jesse Strauss. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listeners. If you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.